Come on, Influence Church, let's give it up for all that God's doing in our midst. What an amazing Sunday so far. You've been having a good time in God's presence. Come on, come on, give him a great big thank you, Jesus. Oh, we can do better than that. Say thank you, Jesus. He's in the house to change our lives, and wow, what a great time of communion, and God is already up to some amazing things. Well, let's get into the Word of God. The message title for today is Know Your Worth. Somebody say, Know Your Worth. Know Your Worth. Know your worth. And as an honor, it's always an honor to be here, and uh, Pastor Phil and Pastor Tammy feeling a little under the weather, so is anybody feeling sick? Got this, like, funk that's going around? Let's, let's pray healing in Jesus' name. Father, in the name of Jesus, we, just li- we thank you that, that salvation is not a process, it's a person that's Jesus Christ, and that's healing physically, emotionally, and it is and spiritually. And so, God, we just declare healing over this place, God, in the name of Jesus Christ. You said that by your stripes we are healed. And so, God, we just declare that. You have authority in our lives, in our bodies. We declare it. Every cell you have to align with God's word, which is life and it's eternal life. So we speak healing. We thank you for healing and restoring those who have lost voices. Their voices would be back in Jesus' name, and we thank you. We love you, worship you, and, and you too online. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And it is great to have you with us online as you're joining us, but it is great to be in the house of God today. If you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19. I'm going to get into this, and I just want to kind of lay a little bit of a foundation before I read these amazing scriptures, uh, this story in Luke 19. And I want you to be thinking about, just kind of put this in the forefront of your mind, I want you to be thinking about the mercy of God. The mercy of God. Of course, we know that God is sovereign, that he is over everything, but God is a merciful God. Amen? And we need God's mercy in our life. God's mercy is that that forgives us of our sins, past and present. We need God's mercy in our lives. That we There is nothing that we can do to earn our salvation. Amen? Not on your best day, not on the, you know, you, you look just special this morning, right? You just, you did your hair, it took a little longer, you know, you brushed your teeth a little longer on the front, so they kind of glistened. You know, even on your best day, you still equal nothing. You still, it's not, you can't earn your salvation. There's nothing we can do to earn our salvation. It is a free gift from God, and it's God's mercy on us. So today, I want you to be thinking about God's mercy as we hit this message, and I want you to be thinking about in the back of your mind, the price that has been paid for you. This whole sermon came out of a thought that I had the other day, and I was actually speaking with one of our brothers that's part of Men of Valor Ministry. And at the stage of life that we're in, my wife and I, we're training our kids in different things. And our daughter started middle school this year. And it's a little younger than your average age. You know, normally middle school is sixth grade to eighth grade. Well, she's a fifth grader, and she's in middle school now. So we're like panicked, like the alarms are going off in my head. And I'm thinking, like, we got all of this to still teach her. All of this thing, all of these things as a young lady. And I'm and I'm I'm going to God. I'm like, God, what do I, when do I teach her this? When do I tell her about this? You know, and kids got phones now. So it's like, you know, when we were younger, <laughs> our parents said about us, like, oh, they got a bad. You know, they got the TV that they're watching and all of this stuff. And now we're saying of our kids, they got a bad. They got a phone that the, the, all the, the stuff is just right there in their pocket, right? And I'm like, you know, Abby doesn't have a phone, but I know she knows friends that do have phones. And so it's like the, this, they're introduced to all of this stuff. And I'm like, God, protect her. And I like want to just keep her at home and keep her in a little safe bubble. But that's not how we're to live. We're to be in this world, but not of this world. And so I'm praying and asking God, when do we do? When do we do? And I felt the Holy Spirit tell me, teach your children their worth. Teach your children their worth. Teach them what they're worth. 
And I started to think of the things that I know my wife and I sacrifice for so that our kids can have it better than we do. And that's any parent's desire is that your ceiling becomes their floor, right? That they don't have to go through the battles that you go through. That the fields and the battlefields that you walk through become something that's a part of their inheritance, just as being a, a legacy of God. And so today in this place, I don't know who it is, but you need to know your worth. Maybe you came in here feeling messed up, jacked up, what up from the floor up or whatever. <laughs> but I need you to understand your worth, your worth. And not by our standards in the physical realm, but the standard that God has set for us. Know your worth, okay? So that kind of sets the foundation for this. Luke 19, and we're going to start in verse 1. And then Jesus entered and he passed through Jericho. And now behold, there was a man by the name of Zacchaeus. Somebody say Zacchaeus. Who was the chief of tax collectors. And he was rich. So here's this guy, Zacchaeus. And he wasn't just like, you know, a tax collector, probably like skimming a little bit off the top. He was the chief of tax collectors. So he was like the crook of crook of crooks. <laughs> I was talking to my dad last night on the phone and he's had a business for like 43 years and they've used the same tax guy and there was something that happened and he's like, you know, I'm a man of integrity. I'm a man of my word. And when somebody breaks word with me, how do I trust this person? And I said, dad, is this person a Christian? He said, no, and maybe that's the problem. <laughs> I said, well, this is guy's your tax collector, right? Yeah, this is the guy I go to for my taxes. This guy, Zacchaeus, was the chief of tax collectors, and he was rich. And the Bible says that Jesus went through Jericho. It's almost like, you know, the train's coming, chugga, 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 and it's not even planning on stopping. But there was a reason that Jesus was going through here. And this stop, this opportunity that Jesus had was actually on his way into Jerusalem, where he was later going to have his triumphant entry. And he comes through Jericho, and he comes across this guy by the name of Zacchaeus. And I want you to just kind of put this in the back of your mind too. Zacchaeus' name meant pure. How many of you can kind of see there's a bit of a problem here? <laughs> He's a pure tax collector, right? You can just see this guy sitting on the other side of this. Just trust me. Trust me. I'll help you with your taxes. As he turns in the invoice and is like, wait a minute, how much what? <laughs> Verse three. And he sought to see Jesus. He sought to see who Jesus was. Remember what I had said earlier, salvation is not a process, it's a person, it's Jesus Christ. And Zacchaeus sought to see who he was, who he was. But he could not because of the crowd. Okay, so problem number one, say the crowd. For he was of short stature. You know, talk about the Bible being politically correct. Like, let's just make it seem a little nice. You know, we already hit him up that he's going to, you know, you can kind of like the end of the story from the beginning. I'm always the spoiler alert person. My wife tells me, can you just let me tell the story? Let me tell the full story. Don't jump the end. He has a little bit of a problem here. He's, you know, taking things that aren't his and he's a short stature person. So they're kind of like, you know, it's like, oh, we've already kind of, it's going to be bad. But we're going to just call him short stature. He was a short person is what that means. Okay. He couldn't see over the crowd. He's probably like, He's coming this way. So he's like, how many of you have been there? You've been desperate for something. You know, you're like, you keep it in your head off. Like, ah, oh, man, man, man. That's not working. This isn't working. What's my next thing? And he's a man of short stature. 
And so he ran ahead and he climbed up. And so you can kind of, have it, who grew up in Sunday school? Right? We don't have Sunday school anymore. We call it children's ministry. And we don't have like green felt boards anymore with like felt board Jesus. Who remembers those? I'm dating myself now. Now we have like LED screens. And you know, like my, my Sunday school teacher would like move Jesus along the felt board, right? <laughs> ding, 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 ding. <laughs> now we got like the LED screen plays it. And so here's Jesus like walking through the crowd, through Jericho, you know, and if you've ever seen, what was it, like the storybook movies that kind of came out a little bit later. And you know, like you kind of picture that like this is a little bit on like the outskirts of Jericho. He's already gone through Jericho. And now he's kind of like on the outside and there's trees there and, and, and here's little short Zacchaeus. He just can't get it. And he, so he runs ahead and he's like, I got to figure out something. And he sees that right there is a tree. And so what does he do? He climbs up the sycamore tree to see Jesus for he was going to pass by this way. And so this guy's like probably a calculated person, right? He's been stealing money from a lot of people. So he's calculated enough to figure that Jesus is going to come by this way. And he gets up in the tree and he's standing up in this tree. And have you ever, as a kid, who, climbed, who had like that perfect climbing tree in their neighborhood? Come on, let's be real. Who could climb the highest? And then your dad would have to come rescue you, right? Our, our kids were over at, our, one of our, we were at a friend's house and there's, they got like this perfect climbing tree. And of course, it's in like an orange tree. So you're like, don't climb the tree because you're going to ruin the oranges. Of course, what are that? All the kids end up in the tree. And they climb so high, they can't get back out. So, of course, like, here we go into, like, parent mode. I'm trying to climb the tree to get the kids out of the tree. Talk about hard. Like, and I didn't think. I'm, like, desperately, I start climbing up the tree. I'm, like, wait a minute. What am I going to do when I get to them? I'm like, don't worry. It's going to be okay. <laughs> the fire company's coming. They're going to get a ladder up here and get us out of here. <laughs> I was the kid, though. We had, like, those, those pine trees. Not in my parents' house, but one of my... One of my aunts had these pine trees, right? And they are perfect for climbing because they got like big, thick branches like every six inches, right? Ding, 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 ding. And next thing you know, you're like 40 feet in the air. And then you're like, watch out for the dead branches. Has anybody ever done that? Like, yeah, that's what happened to me. No. <laughs> the dead branch and down I went. So he hits this tree. He climbs up in this tree. He calculated that Jesus was going to come past. And when Jesus came to the place where here's Zacchaeus, the short dude in the tree, he looked up and he saw him. He looked up and he saw him. Now, remember, we're talking about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He is all God in human form. Like, we have God's word, right? We have God's word. And you know, if you've heard those pastors today, like, this is God's word and I am what it says I am. And, it, yeah, and I do what it tells me to do. Oh, I did this last time. I dropped my mint. Today it's paper. Uh, this is God's word. And when God, how, how important are words to us? We express our feelings. We express our ideas. We express details of things. And God says, you know what? They're not getting it. Human beings aren't getting it. I've given them my word, the Torah and the Old Testament. And so finally God's word becomes flesh, Jesus Christ, and it dwells among us. So here's Jesus, God, and he looks and he sees. And I, I can imagine my mind, I do pictures. I, like maybe Zacchaeus' life flashed before Jesus' eyes. Maybe he could see everything. I'd like to think that. He sees him, and when he looks and he saw Zacchaeus in that tree, what does he do? He calls him by name. He says, Zacchaeus, pure. His name means pure. He's calling the guy in the tree who's a thief, 
pure, pure, come down from that tree, for today I must stay at your house. Have you ever had a guest that just like pops up at your door? I mean, in the modern days we're living in, we got all this stuff. We got like the ring, we got like the app, we got, you know, I'm like walking through the grocery store and you're like, ring, like, oh, someone's at your front door and I don't even know that person. Like the unwanted guest that shows up at your door and they're like, like uh, the Jehovah Witnesses. The unwanted guest that shows up at your door. This is a great time to tell somebody about Jesus. Sure, can you come in and have a cup of coffee? Or, you know, I've had those calls where it's uh, the person that, you know, we would do cold calls every once in a while uh, on church staff, and you would get the call, and you're like, oh, it's this person that's going to take all my time. Or there's a lady that, Mike Kelly is a saint. Amen? Mike Kelly is a saint. There's a lady that comes to the post office that just loves to talk. And I'll be standing there talking with Mike Kelly, and all of a sudden, I'll see her walk by, like, Mike, I got to go real quick. And sure enough, like 15 minutes later, he'll come back and be like, she got me again. She got me again. She told me the same story again. I prayed for her again. She is so sweet. She comes to get her mail. But that person, the guest that shows up, well, that was Jesus. He's like, I'm staying at your house. You know, if that's like you and I, we're like, whoa, we got to go get everything ready. Like, how many dishes are in my sink? Like, wait, I got, yeah, I got young kids. I got a little boy. You know what? He's still trying to figure out how to hit the toilet. Like, I'm running ahead to get the toilet clean right now. Like, Jesus, just stay here and kind of look at this tree. I'll be right back and get you when my house is ready. Like, that's what we do, right, as humans. We, we, we got to figure it out. We got to get it all fixed up and figured out. But Zacchaeus Jesus said, I'm coming to your house to stay. And so he made haste and he came down. I mean, can you just imagine a short man trying to get down out of a tree quick? <laughs> On the ground. Jesus prays for healing up. He goes, no, that's not this story. That's another one. So he made haste and he came down and he received him joyfully. We need to have joy in our lives. And when the master looks at you and calls you by name, it does something in your life. And he called him pure. And it shifted something in the atmosphere. Verse 7. But when they saw it, who was they? The religious people, the townspeople. When they saw it, they complained, saying, He has gone to guest with a man who is a sinner. How many people you in your life do you have that are the negative naysayers? Right? And I can, can I tell you, remember what was the first problem? The crowd. He couldn't see over the crowd. He couldn't see through the crowd. The crowd was doing nothing to benefit him. In this life, I know Erica was talking about it before. In this life, you're going to go through life with people. Cautious of the crowd. Be careful of the ones that you choose to walk through life with. And even when you're in the place, I've been there. When I was doing the things I wasn't supposed to be doing, guess what? It seemed like there was a crowd around me. And when I started walking towards God, sometimes it gets a little lonely. But that's okay. The crowd started complaining. Look at this one, Jesus, that's going to eat and make, be a guest with a sinner. Verse 8. And then Zacchaeus stood and he said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I have half of my goods. I give half of my goods to the pure. And if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. And verse 9. And then Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house. Somebody say, This house. Because he 
also is the son of Abraham. And for the son of man has not come to seek and to save that which was lost. For the son of man has come, rather, to seek and to save that which was lost. Somebody say amen. Amen. I want to give you just two points today that you would know your worth. Six words to remember. God's mercies are new every morning. God's mercies are new every morning. That's from Lamentations 3. God's mercies. Take that and just write it and put it on the mirror when you wake up in the morning, when you're brushing your teeth and you're doing your hair. Remember that God's mercies are new every morning. When Zacchaeus got up that morning, maybe he thought it was just the same old day. I'm going to take a little bit that doesn't belong to me. I'm going to do some taxes. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. But he heard that there was Jesus Christ coming and he knew that he had to see him. And when he got there, Jesus looked at him and said, pure I'm coming to stay at your house. God's mercies are new every morning. And he didn't say to Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, you got to get your life figured out. You know, you just got to get it figured out. I can't come over to stay until you're in the right place. No, he didn't say that to Zacchaeus, did he? And he actually, whenever he said joyfully, something had shifted in his life. Jesus said, not only has salvation come to this house, but this one is the son of Abraham. Do you remember what? The promise of Abraham was because he believed in God, it was counted to him as righteousness. Something happened here where Zacchaeus believed. And the same with you and I. When we believe in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, guess what becomes our inheritance? You become a son and a daughter of Abraham. You become a son or a daughter of Abraham because you believed. And Abraham was justified because he believed. Amen? Somebody say, Jesus Christ knows my worth. You are worth the price that was paid for you. The Bible says says that you were bought with a price. Do you not know that your life is not yours, but that you were bought with a price? You were bought with a price. The price that that was paid for you was that God sent his son, Jesus Christ, and his blood was shed for you. The price tag on your life is that Jesus his blood for you. How amazing is that? That he would lay down his life. I remember Bethany was praying earlier that he would lay down his life, that he went to the cross. He took up the cross so that you and I may follow in his footsteps and take up our cross and follow him daily in, in our lives. Amen? There was a price that was paid for your life. Know your worth. Paul Tripp said this, not only does God lavish us, lavish on us love that will never cease and grace that will never end. And not only is he great in faithfulness, but the mercy he extends to you and to I is renewed every morning. Somebody say amen. It is not tired. It is not stale. It is not irrelevant. It is not worn out. It is not ill-fitting or yesterday's leftovers. Who likes leftovers? Oh, come on. You You can clean out my refrigerator. I don't like leftovers. I tolerate leftovers, right? God's mercy is not left over. You're not in here today to worship God with someone's leftovers. You're here today because God's mercies are new and new for your life. You got a problem? We were worshiping about it before. I heard somebody say marriages are going to be healed. You got a problem? God's mercies are new today for your marriage. You got a physical thing? God's mercies today are new for your physical problem. You got a mental thing? God's mercies today are new. He's not too short to extend to that thing. God's mercies are new every morning. And he goes on to say, no, God's mercy is new 
morning mercy. It is form-fitting for the needs of your day. It is sculpted to the shape of the weakness, the circumstances, the struggles of each and every one of his children. Yes, we are we will all get the same mercy, but it does not all come. It doesn't all come, it doesn't come in the same shape or the same size. Amen. How much of God's mercy do you need? To the one that's been forgiven can forgive much, is what the Bible tells us. How much mercy do we need? You know, mercy is that thing that when it's applied to a person's life, it creates kindness. Have you ever met somebody that's rude? God, shower your mercy on them. They just need more of God's mercy. Look at this. The word mercy. I want you to, I want you to see this. The word mercy. Where did I put this at? Where is mercy? Where is mercy? God's mercy is a Hebrew word that means steadfast love, covenant love. Furthermore, it goes on to mean kindness, loving kindness, unfailing love, tenderness, and faithfulness. I put here in my notes, mean people need God's mercy. Right? It's God's mercy that takes the junk out of my life. Zacchaeus had an encounter with God, with God's mercy, with He didn't deserve it. Even the crowd was saying it. Why does he get to have Jesus come to his house? God's mercy. God is sovereign. I don't understand how God moves. We all have an opportunity to receive God's mercy. But to each of us, it comes in the shape and the form that we need intimately and personally to us. Amen? What is the void that we need God to fill with his mercy? Paul exclaimed about God's mercy in uh, 2 Corinthians 1 and 3, that God is the father of mercies. In Ephesians 2, 4, Paul also said that God is rich in mercy. There's no shortness of God's mercy. Mercy frees our lives from the misery of disobedience. Amen? We all have those things. When we look past, when we look over our day at the end of it and say, God, I could have done better here. God, this is what I should have done in this situation. Can I tell you, that's where we need the mercy of God. Amen? God's mercy covers the mistakes that we make. But God also gives us his grace to help us, to influence us, that we can make decisions that would be in according to what he would will and desire for our life. Amen? We need God's mercy. Your worth is that God would bankrupt heaven so that we could receive his mercy. The next thing is know your worth, that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Somebody say, the Holy Spirit lives in me. Because of Jesus Christ, dying, being put in a tomb, raising again on the third day, the tomb is empty. He spends some time with his disciples. He ascends and he he told his disciples and he taught his disciples, it's imperative that I return to my father because when I do, the Holy Spirit will come. You are the temple of where the Holy Spirit lives at. God resides on earth in you and I by dwelling in here. Amen? God the Father, God the Son, and Holy Spirit. How does God speak to us? It's by Holy Spirit that's in us. It doesn't mean that you still have your spirit. We are made up of the spirit, we are made up of the soul, and we are made up of the body. My spirit, little capital S spirit, when I'm born again, is made alive in Christ Jesus. I'm eternally alive. Salvation starts, eternity starts at that moment that I say, Jesus Christ, come live. And the Holy Spirit seals us until salvation is completed in our life that we would stand before Jesus Christ. Either the calendar mark on the date or the date on the calendar when God says, I'm done living on this earth or that Jesus Christ would come again. My spirit is eternally alive when I say, Jesus Christ, be my Lord and Savior. And God's mercy is applied to our lives. So we become the place, our worth 
the worth, you are worthy enough that God would bankrupt heaven on your behalf. The blood of Jesus Christ was the price that was paid for you and that God would say, I want to live in your heart. I want to make my home in you. How amazing is that, that God would do that to you and I? And whenever I think about when Paul was writing to the church in Corinth and they were dealing with some stuff in their life, they were dealing with the sins that were in the region around them. And Paul was challenging them and he said, do you not know that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit? Why would you bring something that is disgusting and despised into your life, right? We can, we can think of this picture with me. We respect and we revere God, right? We respect and we revere this house. But how much more God desires to live in this house And we have to be careful of the things that we align ourselves with. Amen? It got quiet in here. And that's okay because that means God is still on the throne and his mercy is still here to make us new every day. And that we would see the mercy of God applied to our lives and we would allow ourselves to step into the potential that God sees in us. Do you hear me today? God says that I've paid, your life is not your own. I have bought you with a price. And the price that was paid, I know Pastor Phil says this, if God's destination for you was that you would spend, that you would go to heaven, like, well, then why didn't you spontaneously combust when Jesus Christ became your Lord and Savior? Because he's not finished with you yet. He has a work that he wants to do in you. The Holy Spirit lives in your life. And when we do that, guess what? You have the power to accomplish what God would do in your life. I want you to think of this point. The Holy Spirit, where there is more of the Holy Spirit, there is less fear. John 20 and 19, the disciples were in the upper room. Now, this was before Jesus Christ ascended. The disciples were in the upper room. They had the door shut and locked because of the fear of the Jews. They were afraid. Acts 4, and in Acts 4, they stand up and with boldness, with boldness, they're proclaiming in Jerusalem. They're proclaiming the things of God and the people around them, the, 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 Jerusalem, the, the, uh, the Jewish people, we know that these men have been with Jesus. There's such a boldness that's coming from them. We, the only thing that we can say is they have been with Jesus Christ. Amen? What was the difference? What was the change? In John, in John 20, they were locked the door. You get to Acts chapter 4. You get to Acts chapter 4 and guess what happened? They're boldly proclaiming Jesus in the streets the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said that there was going to be the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost and that they were to stay in Jerusalem until they were endued with power from on high. And in Acts chapter two, guess what happens? They're there and the Holy Spirit falls on the day of Pentecost and there was power and something shifted in their lives. I remember hearing of some Christians, some, some people that we have even here in our church, that they would show up into their workplaces And I've heard testimonies of them saying the atmosphere changed when they were there, when they were on the job and then when they were at this workplace, things were different. It was almost like nothing could go wrong because there was the person, the child of God was in that place. What was that difference? It's the Holy Spirit in our lives. Your worth, know your worth, that God paid a price for you through his son, Jesus Christ. The price was paid for every human being. Does that mean that every person accepts that price? No, it doesn't. 
God's will is that none would perish, but that all would come to repentance. And God has given us a free will that when we choose by that conviction of the Holy Spirit and the drawing of the Spirit of God and the Word of God and the gospel being preached, when we choose to say, Jesus Christ, be my Lord and Savior, the price that was paid for your life is received. And next thing is know your worth, that you are the place that the Holy Spirit wants to reside at. Young people, there's a lot of information out there. You have Google. My kids are just like, Google it, Dad. Google it. We need the answer. Google it. I don't want to wait for you to figure it out, Dad. Just Google it. Young people, what the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life will seem like foolishness to the world. But to God, it's wise. I was talking to somebody. God takes the weak things and he makes them strong. He takes the unintelligent, foolish things and he makes them wise. How? The Holy Spirit. Your worth your worth, heaven sees you as priceless. And earth needs us to understand that. Our feet are still planted on earth. We're still here. Our work isn't done yet. Jesus Christ hasn't come yet. It could be any day. I look at what's going on I'm like, Jesus, you could come today. I do the dishes every morning and my kids are like, dad, we just got to get to school. And I'm like, look, if Jesus comes today, I don't want someone to have to clean up our dishes. You got that kids? He could come today. And the only way we can accomplish what God wants us to do is by saying, Holy Spirit, today is the day that you've given me, God, and I want to be used by you. Somebody say, well, I don't believe that. Well, do you know where electricity comes from? Do you know where it's made? Do you know how it works? Even my electrical professors would say electricity is supernatural. We don't, we know how to generate it, but we don't know where it comes from. And you say, well, I don't believe in electricity today, so I'm just going to keep the lights off. Hey, you like those lights. You may not have it all figured out. Trust me. God knows your worth. Jeremiah 29, 11, that he knows the thoughts that he thinks towards you of hope, of future, and success. Not your success. Not what this world would call success, but the kingdom of God's success. The calling of God and the destiny of God upon your life. You were bought with a price and you are the place the Holy Spirit wants to live in. Amen? Let's all stand to our feet. And maybe in this place this morning, if you would say, Pastor, I don't know if I know Jesus Christ. I came into this place actually feeling pretty worthless. Maybe, you, maybe a spouse even said that to you today. You're worthless. Maybe you thought of it yourself. Maybe a voice in your head. Can I tell you? In the name of Jesus Christ. You have great value. Heaven sees your value. I pray that even now you would have an encounter with God and his word and the Holy Spirit would begin to just give you visions and would speak to you of the value that God has placed on your life. The things that he wants to accomplish. The Bible says, no eye has seen nor has ear heard nor has it even entered into your imagination what God has prepared for you. And maybe you would be saying, you know, I, I came in feeling a little worthless today, but you know what, God, I've encountered his mercy. I've seen a glimpse of Jesus. Maybe it seemed like you were in a sycamore tree looking at the road coming down and here's Jesus. And he's calling you out today, pure. Maybe your motives were off, but God wants to make that pure today. He wants a joy to be set in your heart and in your life, amen? And that starts with believing upon Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And maybe in this place with every eye open, you would want to say, Jesus Christ, would you be my Lord and Savior? Jesus, would you save me? Jesus, would you put that joy in my life? Jesus, would you make me pure? 
I've been trying to do it myself or I've been trying to cover up the convictions and the guilt that I've been feeling with Jesus. Would you make me pure if that's you? I just want you to slip your hand up in the air. Jesus went to the cross. He hung there naked, bruised, beaten, took the shame, this despised, rejected of men so that you could say, Jesus, I give you my life today. I believe in you. Let's all pray together. Can we church? Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I confess that you, Jesus Christ, are Lord. A free gift is salvation extended to me through your cross. Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for calling me pure. Thank you for putting a joy in my life. I give you my life, Jesus Christ. I repent for going in the wrong direction. I repent for doing the wrong things, God, and I go to you today. I come to the cross of Jesus Christ. I lay my life there. Jesus Christ, I am yours. Fill me, God, with your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, come into this place right now. God, fill my, fill my mind with your thoughts about my marriage. Fill my mind with your thoughts. God, if I've done wrong, I thank you that it's forgiven in your eyes. I hush the crowd right now in the name of Jesus Christ to hear your voice, Jesus. And Father, we thank you for those today that have given their lives to Jesus Christ. Can we give God glory? Can you thank God for restoring you, making you new, filling you with joy? And I want you, as we're gonna sing this song out, I want you to just let God do the work that only he can do in your life, right? Father God, we thank you and we love you. In Jesus' name, we give you our lives. Amen.